Hey, husband. Yes, wife. What do you call it when Batman skips church? What do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. Oh, wow. Hello everyone, and welcome to Random's Thoughts. I'm wife. And I'm husband. And this is our sixth podcast, where we are going to talk about our sadly defunct favorite card game, the WoW TCG. And a few other assorted random things thrown in. Get it? Yeah, you're so clever. So clever. Anyway. It's like when they say the title of the movie in the movie. Just face palming right now, for those of you who can't see. Anyway... Today, we are going to talk about that dastardly master sniper, Simon McKee, or in other words, werewolves. You're facepalming me? You just howled. I was going to sing Werewolves of London, but then I thought about copyright law. Oh, you're making me sad. So anyway, uh, wife and I played WoW together for a long time, and we always were on the Horde side. We, I personally was drawn to a lot of the Horde races, and that carried over into this game, so I typically played red when I could, or green, or gold, I guess, went before it became monsters and it was neutral. And I was trying to suck up to this older guy that I was seeing, and so he said Alliance was bad, so I decided all Alliance were scum. Yeah, because you didn't immediately want to roll a Blood Elf. Well, I mean, I wanted to roll an Elf. I might have chosen a Night Elf, but it was going to be an Elf of some kind. Well, sure. Anyway, aside from the digression about our WoW background, the reason this comes in is because Master Sniper is actually a blue alliance hero. Now, in this case, it's an aggressive deck, and it actually placed a number of people successfully in both the Metamart events as well as last year's Gen Con. There was one werewolf build in the top four. So, wait, if you want to tell our... Our valued listeners, what, what Master Sniper does? So, Master Sniper Simon McKee is from Throne of the Tides. Yep. Um, he is a human hunter, and on his turn, pay, on your turn, pay two, flip Simon. Simon deals range damage to target hero or ally equal to the attack of a pet you control, which, let me tell you, can be super fun sometimes. Yeah, we will get to that a little bit later. So, <laughs> but, uh, but it can be super fun sometimes. Yeah, only really for one side. But, fun factoid about this card, I'm pretty sure Simon McKee was one of the, one of the bigger-named judges back in the day. Because I distinctly remember, and I'm pretty sure this card was named after him. Sure. Anyway, so just random side note. So this deck, as we described it before, is, well, we're calling it werewolves. I don't know what anybody else calls it because there were, as I mentioned, there were a number of people that ran this deck throughout the event. So we're going to kind of talk about a little bit of the differences between their builds, ours, and then really get into the matchups. So as the name would imply, it runs a lot of worgen. Worgen, at least in this build, not naturally not every single Worgen card, but the ones that we're focusing on have Aberration, which is an important keyword for the deck. Yes, so Aberration prevents all non-combat damage that would be dealt to that ally. And we also have um, Rufus Claiborne, who turns your hero into an Aberration Worgen. 
This is you can also turn your other allies into other one allies, too, right. which can be relevant. That that as well. But this is super fun when you're playing mage decks because most of the time it's hey the spell is going to do the damage, but it's not a combat. Right, and that. We also have, to go alongside the Worgen, a uh, honorary Worgen, I guess we'll call it, Lady Bancroft. Now, she got a reprint in one of the more recent sets. Pretty sure it was uh, War of the Ancients, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was one of the hero class starters. That might be it. But in any case, she prevents all damage that opposing heroes would deal. So, while not quite everything, because you could have, you know, a opposing ally that can do non-combat damage... Garrett Vice or Vacus the Inferno or Rufus Claiborne would dodge it. Lady Bancroft would have to eat that and probably go right into the grumper because she's only got one health. Yeah, like I. Now, important to note though, with how ubiquitous Broderick is, <laughs> guess what? Those you have to be very careful about how you sequence your attacks because the opposing hero can't just face check her and remove her. They're going to take two and then have a sad day when they realize she's still on the board. So aside from that, you're running your typical aggressive blue allies. In this case, you do get access to, aside from Ashnar the Frost Herald, who gives your hero assault, you also get access to Grumdak Herald of the Hunt, which was He's a more recent card. He's one of my card. favorites. Well, you love everything with ferocity. I do love everything with ferocity, but he also has ferocity and he gets plus two attack and he's long range. How right. could you not love Grumdak? Now, one key note here is that Grumdak hits an important break point in that he's a 3-2 base, but as Wife mentioned, he gets plus 2 attack. Well, there's a number of important things that have 5 health. Off the top of my head, let's say our everyone's favorite undead warlock, Deathfear. I hate Deathfear. Yeah, he... I hate Deathfear so much. He's a 4-5, so Grumdak offing him and then living to talk about it is pretty important because if you only deal damage to Death Fear in increments, they're going to undercity it away or hit another Death Fear and then spread the damage or address it some other fashion. This is Death Fear leaves the board right now unless they have an instant speed way to deal with it. And it should also be noted because while we were talking about Aberration, we forgot one of the main reasons to use Aberration. We didn't forget about it. We just didn't I get just that I just haven't far yet. gotten there yet. But anyway. My wife is really excited to talk about this. It's shiny. I like all my shiny cards. Anyway, this is Envoy of Mortality. So if you don't know, um, it's a two cost, four damage, one to strike. When you strike with this weapon, your hero has long range. Obviously a positive. And then when your hero deals damage with this weapon, it also deals that much ranged damage to a target-friendly hero or ally. Well, wife, that sounds terrible. Why yeah. is that good? Because if you have Aberration out, it counts as non-combat damage. So if you have a guy with Aberration and you play Envoy Mortality, you attack with Envoy Mortality, you say, oh, it's all going to go to Rufus Claymore and oh, whoops, nothing happens. Exactly. And it's this is what's really cool about the deck is that you... Whoever created this, and I don't know who the original person was. I mean, we have the whoever top-aided the Metamart with it, but it was floating around before that. I think people knew about it going in, if I remember correctly. Maybe not, but they definitely knew about it afterwards because the interaction is super cool. It's fun to take these relatively obscure old cards, because this was from Naxxramas, 
And while there were other big name things out of that treasure set, I don't think Envoy was really on anybody's radar. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's Aberration. And it's like, it's really fun to find these interactions. And there are a number of other classic decks that pull those sort of things together. But this was one of the, the first big ones that I remember. So moving on from Envoy, you have the other, as I mentioned, typical aggressive hunter things. You're running Avatar of the Wild because Avatar of the Wild's really good. And super fun to play when they're like a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. As wife mentioned before, and I said she loves ferocity things, making <laughs> escalating ferocity things is even more fun. Yeah, and if we didn't say we just finished testing about three minutes ago, so I just hit with a 6-6, six, six, or was it a 7-7 yeah, avatar? No, you went runner, runner, and I think it was 5-5, five, five, then 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Yeah. It was really fun. That game was closer than it should have been with that, but yeah. in any case, uh, you also run Fang, which is one of my favorite cards, just because I love dogs. Yeah. So exactly. having the pet out there, but that Fang is ridiculous. Fang might be one of the most important cards in the deck because he influences so many different matchups. Obviously, he adds an additional clock by giving your guys assault. He can keep you alive with Protector. Oh, and he comes down turn two. Yeah. Like, that's super strong. He's pretty nice. Um, we also have, and I misplayed this like 15 times just now, so I fully recognize how important it is. So you have Ring of Trials. So Ring of Trials, when um, a hero or ally in your party deals damage, add an arena counter. Uh, tap it, remove three arena counters. Target player chooses an ally in his party, and then you choose an ally in your party. Each deals melee damage equal to its attack to the other. Oh, wait. We have aberration, guys. So your opponent chooses a guy. You choose one of your aberration allies, and... You deal your damage to their ally, nothing gets dealt back. Yeah, it's a great way for the deck to keep up with or to have a control element alongside Envoy that other aggressive decks might not have access to. It gives you one extra advantage. So, again, it's another cool interaction of an obscure old card from Gladiators that, I mean, I, I'm sure I've seen Ring of Trials played before this deck, once or twice outside of drafts, but I'm fairly certain it didn't show up in any high-tier competitive lists. No. So, beyond that, the quest base is kind of what you'd expect. One Drone's Junk, Finkel Einhorn. Report or, to Goldshire and Dr. Boom. And, of course, Magni, because you're playing an aggressive deck. Free 1-1s are always good. So... Our list deviates a little bit from everyone else's, and even the other three lists that we're going to discuss a bit deviate from each other. So there are a couple things that I want to point out. Sideboard-wise, since your alliance, you can also get access to aggressive answers. And by that, I mean the Iron Bane family. So, for example, Chipper Iron Bane is a cheap drop that you can pop to blow up an opposing ability or equipment. And there's a lot of abilities and equipment floating around that could have you or force you into having a sad day. So obviously this could be bad against things like Unholy Power or Tuskar Kite. Right. Among others. 
And then you get access to other things, such as Jai Shal to blow up uh, posing equipment. Or she might only do armor. I don't have it in front of me. Probably should have done that ahead of time. Maybe. No, oh, well. Uh, I'm sure somebody will write in and correct us. Uh, you also could run snipes. Uh, there, there's a variety of different things that you can board in. Now, as far as the main deck goes, obviously you could slot a couple of those in. Chipper Iron Bane could work main deck. Jai Shaw wouldn't be terrible. Now, a lot of these other lists in their boards are running Bonsai. This is what wife was talking about before. Personally, we're running two copies main deck. We're running a little more pet heavy than a lot of these other builds. But Bonsai is so much fun. That's the th So we were testing against... Uh, Vorix? Yeah, Vorix Vorix was super fun. So, so Rogue... Go ahead, wife. Tell the story. If you played Rogue, Rogue discards things. Rogue, dis Rogue discards everything because, you know, your combos deal really well from the graveyard because that's how you get your powers. Um, and then you have Bonsai, who has plus one attack for each card in opposing graveyards. Well... When you're a rogue and you just played two of your quests that are discarding five cards, and so on like turn two or three, you have 15 cards in your graveyard, and then I played Banzai, so I have, I think it was 16 on turn three. So it was I not had, turn three. It was, it was early enough. Um, so I had 16 attack with Banzai. Oh, wait, Master Sniper Simon McKee. On my turn, pay two, flip Simon, and he deals damage to target hero or ally equal to the attack of a pet you control. So one for Bonsai, two for the flip, and 16 damage. As you can tell, Wife was super excited to it make this combo so happen. Much fun. It wasn't as early as she's saying, she's exaggerating, but it was actually 16 damage. And there was an, a. That didn't just happen once, it happened the following game, and she hit me for, I think, 19. Yeah. Just because I didn't happen to get my finishing moves, so I couldn't Surge of Adrenaline, I couldn't Death Blow, I hit Seal Faded a bunch of times and just dumped a bunch of things that, you know, it wasn't any help that they were in the graveyard, like it was a bunch of quests, or I think my Eye of the Storms ended up going away. It was yeah. just bad variance to an extent, yeah. but... Yeah, it, she didn't have to do much work prior to that to close the game out when you tag somebody for over 16 damage. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Now, to be fair, he did have some combos that, like, lessened that because he was removing... The one the, game, but not... Yeah. Yeah. He was removing some of the combos as I was attacking. The one where you hit me for a gigantic amount, I just didn't have anything, yeah. and it was just super bad. I mean, that was... It was pretty fun for me, I'm not gonna lie. So... As compared, as I mentioned, our list is running more pet heavy. So we're running the fangs that we discussed, and we're running the bonsais. And we're also running one boomer, which I'm pretty sure we're just running because the two of us like going scree every well, that, time. That is part of it. All of yeah. those cards, another side digression, but all of those cards that make you do something silly, like uh, I think it was Thundering Footsteps was the one that was supposed to be the Fell Reaver. Yeah. So you had to like. You had to stomp your feet as an additional cost to play it. and or then Chen stormed yeah. out um, another, another round. round. Yeah. We had a whole deck with every silly card that you could possibly oh, play yeah. together. Or then there was another version of that deck that was playing uh, Zombie Finger because you had to moan like a zombie. Yeah, that was fun too. So there are a couple. Unfortunately, you can't include them all in the same deck because obviously I don't. there are no dual heroes that let you play 
the zombie finger and boomer, but custom cards, like we talked about a few podcasts ago. If you have ideas, make them goofy. We like the goofy nonsense. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm glad that they, the, the official rules in tournaments, it is simply, I'm activating this. And you don't have to do it if you don't want to, because it's not fun if you're forced into it. Plus, there was the reason why the rule happened is if you had a disability and you physically could not perform the action. This is true, and that was a good catch on their part, though I'm sure when I was playing Chen, I was I was annoying people oh, just yeah. by going another round. And a friend of ours, rounds. every single time, will whatever popular ridiculous dance it is when he plays Slash Dance has to do it every time. Every single time. But anyway, enough of that sidebar. So back I to the I think right deck. now it's Whip and Nene. Stop. Stop. I know a popular dance. Come on. That was exciting when, for when me. When was that popular? <laughs> I was hoping this When year. was that popular? Is that not, is that not popular anymore? No, it's been, I was it's raised been by hippies. I don't understand Stop. this. Stop. <laughs> anyway, so looking at the other list, some of the other things that stood out that were different from ours. So one of them was actually running a place at Weldon's, Weldon Barrow, that is. Personally, I don't feel that that's necessary. I feel like you have enough tools to combat other aggressive decks. However, Weldon can take over a game. So I think you should remind some of our listeners who may not know what Weldon does, um, because they (laughs) may not know. By listeners, do you mean potentially a co-host? Possibly. So Weldon Barov, for those of you who can't recall, is... Well, he was actually one of the first super expensive cards in the game uh, because he, of his power level. So he's a 5-5 five, five for 5 that at the end of your turn, I'm doing this from memory, so if I don't have it exact, this is the idea. At the end of your turn, you create three 1-1 one, one human protectors that okay. die at the end of your opponent's turn. So basically, you can never attack with them, okay. but you have three free protectors on your opponent's turn. So as you can imagine, you slam down 5-5, five, five, you ha- now create a small wall, and it's really tough for your opponent to get through. You can see why the card was super valuable for a long time. Again, I don't think he's really necessary in the current classic environment. That being said, it's entirely possible. We're, you know, we're not all knowing on this, but I think it may play a little too safe. Now, we obviously tend on the aggressive side. Wife loves her Bogmara list. And balls to the walls. Yeah, but... I don't know. It, it just feels like those slots could be used a little bit better. Not to knock that list, but that's just my own personal opinion. Now, moving on from that one, we do see Savage Cinder, which is one extra Aberration guy. He's a 2-1 for 2 with Ferocity. Not exciting, but he does have Aberration. So if you're worried about your Aberration count, he's something to look at. Another unique thing is Gardo's Grave Fang, which I know Wife is not a huge fan of this guy. I... Yeah tested him a lot in my Scourge builds because he's a Death Knight. He's a 2-1 for 1 with Protector that when he dies, you can put a card from your opponent's graveyard on the bottom of their deck. Wife, can you think of any cards that you would want to get out of your opponent's graveyard? So, obviously, you would want to take Broderick. In that case, Gardos does have a unique purpose there. He's a 2-1, so he's not horrible on turn 1. The problem is, is that he doesn't protect himself in any way, whereas a lot of the other cards in this deck do tend to do that. Such as Grumdak, he has long range when he comes out, the Aberration guys, 
Uh, Ashnar doesn't directly protect himself, but you could use your hero to eat the guy that would have eaten Ashnar. Fang has protector and kind of a, a big butt because <laughs> he has four health. Moving on to the third list, they kind of just, they also included uh, Weldons, but aside from that, it's kind of a tweak on numbers. Now this one, I don't know if you remember Brian, wife. I do remember Brian. Brian is awesome. Brian, Brian was, was cool. really Brian nice Klein to me. Brian a good guy. Uh, just throw his name out there because we, uh, we played with him and the group that he always rolled with a lot. And uh, he actually top aided at the one in Syracuse. Brian is well-versed in sarcasm. Yes. I like Brian a lot. <laughs> so uh, his particular list, main, uh, excuse me, mained Chipper Iron Banes. And aside from that, and as I mentioned, the Weldons, it's kind of standard. Um, ours, I guess, is the oddball by comparison because we leaned heavier into pets. There is one list that also ran two main deck bonsais, but most of them are typically only running fangs, as far as I can see. That being said, there are bonsais in the board for at least two out of three. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a side deck for one of them. Awkward. A little bit. It happens. Yeah. So, we talked a bunch about what's in the deck. So, what does the deck do aside from punch and claw and bite and, you know, hit people with Envoy? You want to talk a little bit about the matchups, wife? So, um, well, like we said with Rogue, it was super fun because, at least for Bonsai, because a lot of cards ended up in the discard pile. Um, what made it slightly less fun was all the sweepers for low-cost guys. Yeah, Poison the Well and Carnage can give you a bad day with this build. There are a lot of things that are two or less. Yeah. That being said, I think our actual numbers, um, things came closer, but uh, Master Sniper still seemed to do pretty good. Yeah, we... We didn't get in because of uh, some non-WoW-related things got in the way, so we didn't get in as life. many games as... Life got in the yeah, way. Yeah, we didn't get in as many games as we would have liked, but uh, we're going to continue to test it, and we'd be more than happy to update everyone on how it goes. But I'm going to say it's pretty even overall. Yeah. Like, I could definitely see... The onus is on the Rogue deck, I think. If you don't hit the appropriate sweeper at the appropriate time... You're going to have a bad day. Well, the werewolves dodge like 90... They yeah. dodge almost all of the target removal. Yeah. If, if not literally all of the target removal. Um, They do. Uh, but in general, I would say it's 70% werewolves, 30%. No, I wouldn't say that far. I mean... It, uh, 60, well, 40? It, we found it very hard for Vorix to win on the draw against... Werewolves. Now, a couple of those... On the play. Yeah, on the play, you have a lot more options because you get that jump. A turn one Broderick lets you trade into, say, Lady Bancroft and then eat their Magni token. Uh, then you can also be one resource up so that that way you have things prepared. You know, an in-combat step poison the well. Or you hit Carnage without being at, like, 20 health or, or 20 damage already. Those sort of things. Um, for another matchup... When you play against Bagmara, or pretty much most of the Rush Warlocks, it's pretty much came down to whoever went first. For Bagmara, definitely. Yeah, for um, Bagmara, definitely. It was whoever went first, that's who's probably going to have a better time. 
Now, when we transition into the more mid-rangey warlocks, it's a little bit different, and it kind of yeah. evens out. That's where our good friend Deathveer comes in. And Deathveer is a bad, bad man. Yeah, when you, it, we felt it got a little more even. I want to give the slight edge to the werewolf deck, personally. It, it, I lean towards the aggressive side. You have to hit the right answers. You, you're, The onus is, again, on the warlock to make the appropriate plays to spread the damage with Deathveer properly. Make sure if you lessen the nether that you're taking the right card for the way things are coming up. You don't get a whole lot of breathing room. So if yeah. you don't hit a kite at the appropriate time, or you don't quest at just the right time, it, it can be tough once you get over that hump. So yeah. if you're going into turn four and you slam down Nathanos, or you slam down Death Fear, and you're then, not... yeah, the game starts to shift in the favor of the lock if there hasn't been enough of... Pre- if there hasn't been enough pressure put on before turn four or five the Warlock's pretty much going to have it. But if you've been able to keep up the pressure, chances are that you will have a fighting chance. A simple way to look at it, both for this matchup and a lot of others, is turn one, what are you playing? Okay, the Sniper deck has Garrett Vice. It has Lady Bancroft. It has Jade Fire Scout. You potentially have Bonsai. You have Magnes to pseudo-play something turn one. You could Vacus turn one. It's not you know, the most exciting thing in the world. You have a lot of options, is the point. Turn one for the Warlock, if you play a Blood Soul, you could be in for a bad day very quickly, especially if you're on the draw. You want a Broderick turn one, but you may, if you, you need some way to address their turn one play, because odds are, they're making a turn one play. And in general, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're playing as um, Master Sniper, you're going for the face meets. You're not going for their dudes. You're trying to attack their hero as quickly as possible, put as much damage on as possible. So it really becomes, for the most part, your opponent's jobs to deal with your stuff. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, that is, that's absolutely true in a lot of matchups. But as we discussed before, the advantage that this build has is that your air quotes drawing cards via certain things. So, for example, if you hit a Ring of Trials, you're drawing, air quotes, a free removal spell every turn. Yeah. Virtually. Because you're going to, you're filling, because remember, when you damage with that thing, it actually adds a counter because it doesn't require combat damage. It's just whenever a hero or ally in your party deals damage, well, they're dealing damage, so it gets a free counter just from the usage. You only need to hit two more. Well, if you have an envoy and another guy, or even the same guy, congratulations, you're filled up again in Kapow. You can start gunning things down, basically. That that helps you keep up against a lot of decks where you can keep going face, and like wife said, they have to trade into you. Um, for another matchup that we'll just talk about super quickly because it wasn't much of a matchup, um, Deathwing Mage, that was fun. Yeah, that did, it kind of fell into the same category as the other mage decks, Slow Mage, uh, we didn't get to test the more ally-heavy mages, uh, the undead ones, that is, but again, I'm gonna, my initial inclination is that, and we do plan to play it out and actually test it, because, you know, just like they say in football, that's why they play the game. But a lot of your 
removal is damage based. It's out of combat based. It's going to dodge it. So you have to hit your actual allies on specific drops. And if you don't, you're going to quickly fall behind. Yeah. Now, one thing that did surprise us is the Death Wish matchup. So if you're not familiar with Death Wish, it's a solo deck. So you don't run any allies. You're focusing on your hero. You're buffing your hero or giving them weapons. Death Wish is a two-cost ongoing ability that you can exhaust to give both heroes plus three attack. Well, since you're a warrior, you get access to all fun kinds of armor and weapons and things. And maybe we just got lucky because we did hit a frequent amount of Gladiator's Braces. But, man, it just did not go well for werewolves. They just couldn't get through. It was, let me keep running up against these braces. Let me keep running up against all this armor. Nothing goes through and then wipe my board. Now, you, we went in thinking, oh, well, you know, heroic throw is out of combat damage. That's not going to actually kill anything. Uh, Lady Bancroft, you know, can't get hit by heroic throw. She also can't get punched because, you know, opposing heroes can't damage her. Well, we're running the uh, Alliance Dwarf, Benjamin Tremendousen, and, uh, well, his flip gives everything minus one health. So that, that takes fine. her out. It takes out Garrett Vice. Uh, if there's any damage from random assorted pings, like from Hailstorm or something, you can bring everything else on their board down. I feel as though we may have, you know, maybe the Deathwish deck got lucky and Werewolves got unlucky, but it did not go well. We slammed a turn one Bracers to be preventing three damage a turn. We got down a Deathwish or a Fleshwork Throwing Glaive and just went to work. And then eventually a Wraith Scythe came down and healed the warrior back up. It, it just was very unfortunate for the werewolf deck. Yeah, it was um, It was just a wall. There's really no other... It was like throwing ping-pongs at a brick wall and expecting damage to happen. Yeah, it, it because of those early bracers, and that may be the key, because, well, there are two keys. One is you need a repeatable removal to address the stuff building up on the other side of the board. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how much armor you have. Eventually, they're going to get through. So you have to have a Fleshwork Throwing Glaive. You have to have a Death Wish. You have to have something out there to continually remove these things while you're preventing damage. That being said, I mean, the whole deck is (laughs) removal weapons (laughs) and armor, so that's kind of what it does. Again, it was kind of it was a little surprising that it went the way it did. So overall, I feel that this is a tier one deck. I definitely agree that it's a tier one deck. I think it's pretty strong. I mean, it has its bad matchups, and those bad matchups, at least from our limited testing, were pretty bad. So what I mean is they have good and bad matchups, but I don't think any of them are completely unwinnable like they can be super frustrating i guess is what i mean by pretty bad right it, but i don't know if i'd say the deck is super draw dependent necessarily on your draws the deck is pretty consistent you're going to probably you know the majority of the time you're going to hit a turn one guy the majority of the time you're going to follow it up with a two and then a three and etc and then your quest to try and close the game out but it is contingent on what your opponent draws like there because you dodge a lot of removal you have to play around Poison the Wells or Carnages or other things that 
just say, hey, sweep those things off the board. And if you can play around it, your opponent's going to have a very very intricate dance to do. Yeah. It's definitely a game of balance when it comes to some of its less easy matches. Now, as we said before, though, part of the problem is that it really wants to go first. It really does. You can have a hard hill to climb yourself if you're going second, simply because while you do have some ferocity guys in Grumdak, you have avatars, you have a way to break serve with Fang because there just aren't a lot of protectors. Or even Ashnar, you know, trade some health to remove their guys. If you're trading health to remove their guys against another aggressive deck, they may be able to just close the game out on you because you have no way to heal. I definitely agree. Well, that is our thoughts on Master Sniper Simon McKee. And once again, please, if you are thinking of possibly coming to Gen Con, we really hope that you will. If you are thinking of coming to Gen Con and you aren't sure about playing the WoW event, please play play the WoW event. Yeah, just play anyway. Um, We are having lots of fun testing. We're having lots of fun uh, pretending that this game is still alive and well. And we are going to move into our off-topic section. Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Off Topic. So this time around, we're going to do a movie review? I don't yeah. know if I'd really call it a review discussion. A movie conversation? Uh, One-sided? A movie a, monologue? Yeah, it's going to be more of a monologue or, or dissertation. Maybe I can't a lecture. get a husband to go to the movies with me. Yeah, I'm just not a fa- I don't mind watching... Well, I take that back. I mind watching movies, but that's a story for another day. Because the short version is, I don't... I prefer to play games because they're more interactive. But... I don't want to digress because this is really wife's off topic because she's going to talk about the movie Wonder Woman. Which, the primary reason I couldn't get husband to see it was because it was an origin story. And if you want to hear his monologue rant about origin stories, come to Gen Con. I'm sure I can make it happen. The other reason I didn't see it is because you were out of town when you saw it. This is true, but in general, it was an origin story. I can't teleport. I'm not in those movies, like one of those people from the movie. You should figure that out. Yeah, I'm working on it. Anyway, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the Wonder Woman movie. Um, if you guys might possibly remember from our last off topic where we talked about injustice, I am not a fan of Wonder Woman. Um, as a character, I find her and she is a warrior, so I get that, but I feel like she's a little bit too warbringer e e. Does that make sense in general? Now, they have kind of redone the character, which I like. Um, And in general, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I liked the fact that 
and I know the internet is breaking this and that might make me biased, but I like the fact that we had the Princess Bride um, being a massive warrior woman. Um, so that was super fun for me. I liked, it was funny, it kept the pace pretty well. I will say, I am a history major, a history teacher, I work in a history museum, so some of the liberties taken with World War One made me twitch just a tiny bit, but I tried to accept it as a different universe and move on. Um, but... The characters were really well done. Um, I actually liked some of the more minor characters than I did even the main characters. Um, I will give a tiny spoiler. There is one character, so obviously Wonder Woman's main bad guy is Ares, the Greek god of war. Um, there is one character that if you have... So it's supposed to be this big reveal of who Ares is throughout the movie. Um, you know, you're supposed to try to guess which of these people is actually Ares in disguise. And apparently, for many people, it was this big shocking reveal. I am, however, going to say, if you have seen this particular actor's um, body of work... Like, my sister and I, and she was the one who happened to see it, I was like, oh, look, there's the bad guy. There's the bad guy, because he's always the bad guy. So I think they could have done a little bit better on that front, maybe choosing someone a little bit more obscure, but that could just be my wide knowledge and dorkiness when it comes to British and random sci-fi TV shows. But in general... I really enjoyed the movie. I think it was probably one of DC's best movies yet. But Wonder Woman was really great. It was really fun. I suggest if you have the time and funds to go check it out. And if you don't have the time and funds, I suggest waiting until it gets out on DVD because I honestly don't think you are going to be missing that much by not seeing it immediately.